Welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Chris of Rose City Originals. Hello. Now, before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris? Sure. So I am a quilt pattern designer and I am based out of Portland, Oregon, and I design probably what many would consider to be unusual quilts. And we'll jump more into that in a little moment. But before we do, um, so we also know you as Rose City Originals on all social media platforms. So why the name and is Rose City a place of significance? Yeah. So Portland, Oregon is actually known as the City of Roses. There is a um, a test garden where they do a lot of like hybridization of roses and different types. Uh, so I wanted to tie back into that. I was born and raised in the area and I just love the city of Portland. So I wanted to include that in my business name. It's a very interesting fact. Yeah, I feel like as we're showing that we're on the East Coast by not knowing that that's... <laughs> <laughs> Going off a little tangent, um, when is there like a rose season? Um, all summer, really. Like if you drive around neighborhoods, you will see lots of rose bushes in the area and it, they just, you know, bloom from spring through summer. Lucky. Yeah. I'm looking out my window right now and there's not much. No roses. <laughs> no roses to be found. Yeah, I don't see anything either. <laughs> So how did you first discover quilting? Can you walk us through, you know, that journey? Yeah. So I've been sewing since I was very, very young. And in about, I think it was like 2014, I discovered quilting on YouTube. Prior to that, my focus was really like fashion design. I made lots of clothes for my stuffed animals growing up. I made a few quilts. Um, but after watching the quilting YouTube for like four years, um, in 2018, I decided to step outside my comfort zone and make a first like quilt. Uh, I made it as a gift for my mother-in-law for Christmas and it went well. It uh, it all worked out and I kind of got hooked. And that year I ended up making five total quilts as Christmas gifts. So I've been quilting ever since and I love it. So since your first quilt, has your quilting style changed? It has. The first quilts I made were just like eight pointed stars, half square triangles, kind of basic. And since I've started designing my own patterns, I have branched out from that. But I still love scrappy quilts. Now, you mentioned you have a, an unusual style. Can you for our listeners who aren't familiar with your work, can you kind of tell us more about what somebody could expect when they see a uh, Rose City original? Sure. So my quilts tend to be a little bit on the, I guess, the darker side. Some of my patterns are there's a skull wearing a crown. I have a giant poison apple, um, a death head moth. And it's my quilts make like a large image in the center of the quilt rather than being like small blocks that then make a larger design. And they all are inherently scrappy because I design with fat quarters. So in my patterns, I'll say, you know, grab 12 fat quarters in orange or whatever color you want. So it's going to have some scrappy movement to it naturally. And that's kind of that's my style, really. 
And when you're gathering fabric, do you tend to just um, go just to your local store or do you try to gather like scraps uh, from like maybe existing people or in your stash? Oh, I have lots and lots of uh, fabric I've inherited from others. Um, so I am part of our local modern quilt guild and we often have free table events. So I will pick up lots of fabric there. Um, I do try to support local quilt stores. Unfortunately, there aren't many left in Portland and one of my favorites is closing. So it's a very sad day. Um, I do a lot of online shopping. I'll try to support small, um, like friends who have small quilt shops online that they're, they're trying to start up. So I get fabric from all over the place. So where do you kind of find uh, your inspiration for your quilt pattern designs? It really varies. Uh, the story I like to tell the most is for my pattern, which is called You Should See Me in a Crown. And it's the skull wearing a crown. I was sewing some other quilt I don't even remember at this point. Um, but Billie Eilish's song You Should See Me in a Crown came on um, my Alexa and I was just jamming out and I got the idea and I was super hyper fixated on it. Like this is going to be the most amazing quilt ever. And it took me six days to completely design, sew, quilt, bind, label. And it was done because I could like I could not think of anything else until this quilt was done. That's incredibly fast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so fast. And yeah. did you ever tag Billie Eilish when you were done with the quilt? I did. And I posted videos on TikTok as I was um, like writing the pattern and sewing it up for the second time. And I would use the song in the TikTok videos and stuff. And she never like, I don't think I ever saw her like react to it, but that's fine. I know she's very busy. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, as long as she tried, but yeah. I must say, I would have had that song stuck in my head the whole entire week. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess just jumping back, you mentioned that you um, like to design your patterns with fat quarter bundles in mind. What do you think keeps bringing you back to that fabric cut? I think it's a very usable size. Um, I actually have a set like a set of shapes that I use in all of my patterns, um, different sizes of rectangles and squares, and then half square triangles and half rectangle triangles. And so I keep that same set and I know how many I can get out of a fat quarter. And so in my patterns, I actually give diagrams like here's your fat quarter and here's how to cut it to get the most use out of it. And I just find it to be the most versatile when you start getting down into like 10 inch squares, five inch squares, you're limited on what you can get out of a single piece. So I think there's less waste with a fat quarter, but you can still make it scrappy with a variety of fabrics. I really like that because I tend to find that using fat quarters or like when you purchase fat quarter bundles, because they're so attractive. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I, it's a great idea to use that. So for the past year, you've been busy with a project called the 2023 Community Quilt Project. It's a community quilt made exclusively from fabric sent in by your followers across the social, your social media platforms. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit more about the project and what was the inspiration behind it? Sure. So the inspiration came from my randomly generated quilt that I made last November. Um, it was a quilt where I would use like D&D uh, &D dice to roll for what quilt pattern I'm going to use and then what colors I'm going to use. And it got great response from the online community. And towards the end, like a lot of people were going to be really sad that it was finishing, but really excited to see the finished quilt. And I got lots of comments that people wanted to like be involved. They just loved this project so much. So I got to thinking, I'm like, oh, 
uh, let's see if I could like have people send me fabric. And, you know, I was thinking about like, no one's going to do that. That's that's silly. But then a follower on Instagram actually messaged me and said, I think you should do a quilt where people send you fabric and then like do a charity event or, or something like that. And I'm like, OK, well, if one person actually took the time to reach out and say, you know, do this idea that I had not even expressed yet, then there's probably more. So I made a video explaining the idea and kind of how it would work and just tremendous response. So that prompted me to finally go and get a P.O. box because I did not want to put my home address out on the Internet. Uh, so I went and signed up for a P.O. box. I got everything set up. And then on January 1st, like I announced, here's how it's going to work. You send me in the fabric, um, just like a square, like six inch to seven inch so that I could use my AccuQuilt to cut out all the pieces and there'll be enough. Um, and I got flooded with envelopes like in January, February. It was insane how many people were willing to just, you know, they paid money and sent me fabric. It's incredible. And then it started even spreading. And I've been getting fabric from all over the world at this point, which is super exciting. So on average, how many envelopes of fabric are you receiving, say, every other week? And how do you organize it? Um, it has slowed down. Uh, I think the more I post videos, then it kind of picks up again. But I'll usually pick up maybe a dozen envelopes at this point every other week. Um, which has been adding up really fast. I just have a basket that I throw them in because I want to pull them at random. Um, so as soon as I get home from the post office, I put them in the basket so that they can be drawn at a later date. So you mentioned that this uh, project was inspired by your randomly generated quilt. So how do you like, can you describe more the process of, you know, once you get the fabric in, kind of how you're building the quilt out there? Like, are, are you still rolling dice or anything like that? Yeah, for the community quilt, I am still utilizing my dice. Uh, however, I'm only using it to pick the block pattern. So I'm making eight inch blocks and it is... Um, I'm using my AccuQuilt and there are three different books that you can get with your AccuQuilt that are each 72 block patterns when you have their base cube and then each of the companion sets. And so that's like 200. I can't math right now, but 240 something different blocks to choose from. I went through them all and I picked 20 that I thought would work well if I only had, you know, a six inch square of each fabric. And so at the beginning of the video, I'll roll a D20 to pick which block pattern I'm going to make. And then I've gone through and written down like, OK, if it's this pattern, I need five squares of fabric. And then I'll pull envelopes, open them up in front of the camera until I have enough squares of fabric to finish that block. So it is all completely at random. I have not pre-opened any of the envelopes. Someone actually asked me the other day if I do any like behind the scenes magic and, you know, try to pick through ones that will match and I don't it's truly like I opened up these five squares of fabric from you know different people around the world and they go I mean usually they end up going there's been a couple that are a little hard to look at but not too bad like and once it's all together it's going to be just you know a giant hot mess so <laughs> it's going to look really cool and uh, do you plan to well the blocks you're making are random. Are you going to then lay them out with intention or are you going to, again, start rolling dice when it comes time to lay out the quilt top? 
I will probably keep them in the order in which they were made, which is what I did with the original randomly generated quilt. I just kept them all in order. And how big do you anticipate this um, quilt to be? I'm not sure at this point. I still have a lot of fabric to get through, so I figure I'm just going to go. I've told folks that I will accept fabric through the end of October. So probably November, December, my channel is going to be nothing but the community quilt, just trying to, you know, power through to get it finished. Um, but however many blocks I end up with will be kind of the size of the quilt. The original was 64 blocks and it turned out 60 inches by 60 inches because um, each block is eight inches and I did them eight across and eight down. So I might just make it a little wider, a little longer, just depending on how many blocks I end up with. And if I have a weird number of blocks, then I'll add them to the back of the quilt. If there's like, you know, remainder of three or whatever, I'll just make sure they're included somewhere. And how many blocks have you made so far for the project? I'm only at 20, which being halfway through the year, I should probably be further ahead, but I've been busy with other projects. Sorry so. to put some pressure <laughs> no, on it's, you. <laughs> it's okay. In my head, I'm already planning like clear my calendar for November, December, because it's going to be like full steam ahead with the community quilt. Have you noticed any like trends or patterns in the fabric that's being sent into you? Not really. It is completely random. I've gotten some quilting cottons. I've gotten a couple like more modern prints that I recognize because I might have them in my own stash. Um, I've gotten some apparel fabric. I have gotten some heavier weight, almost like canvas like. Um, so it'll be interesting when it's all put together, what like the texture of the overall quilt's going to feel like. Um, I've only, I think, had two fabrics so far that I've felt I needed to interface just because they were really lightweight. Um, but yeah, it's it's completely random batiks and prints and hand painted fabric, hand dyed fabric, all kinds of stuff. So what's been the most memorable or maybe the strangest envelope that you've received so far? The most memorable is probably the envelope, and I've already opened it, um, from Teresa in Portugal, because that was the first international envelope I received. And I was super excited when I got that at my P.O. box. Um, and then there was also one, I forget which episode it was, but someone had like drawn on the envelope and it was like a bunny bee. Like it looked like a little bee, but it had bunny ears. And it was just this really elaborate drawing on the envelope. And I thought that was really cool. Are you saving the envelopes? Yes, I'm saving all the envelopes and I'm taking the sc leftover scraps, like the itty bitty little scraps mm -hmm. and putting them back in the envelope so that I can like keep track of who sent what. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that at the end, but I will have that. I'm trying to think of like an idea right now. Like, I don't know. Maybe you could do like a um, cut the scraps and like, I don't know, it's like, random shapes and then just so like really, really close straight lines. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'll come just up with something. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to keep it like for yeah, documenting absolutely. the quilt. Yeah. So, yeah. So going through this process, um, what is one thing that you think would surprise people the most about it? Or what has surprised you the most? <laughs> um, well, what surprised me the most is how some of these random fabrics actually end up looking really good together. <laughs> um, but I think what would surprise other people the most is that I don't go through and like pick and choose what's going together. Like it truly is at random. Like if you saw my raw footage, you would see me opening it up, probably staring at the camera for a while, trying to figure out what piece is going to go where to look the best. But like, I don't, 
you know, fudge it and like, oh, I'm not doing that one. I'll open a different envelope. You know, it's truly like these are today's fabrics. So. Ha- have you found the this exercise, you know, has this changed how you uh, approach your own quilt pattern designing? I don't think so, because this is kind of how I approach okay. my my <laughs> quilts um, in some of my patterns. Like I will go and pick like I know I want like with the you should see me in a crown quilt. I wanted a like a blue background. I wanted it to read as like a navy. But this was earlier on before I had a huge stash of fabric. So I actually looked at it the other day, a, a photo of the the fabric pull. And there was like purples and grays and greens. But when you step back, it still reads as dark blue. So I pull weird random fabrics anyway, like things that people are like, OK, that's going to look weird. But, you know, it turns out looking good. So with the completed quilt project, uh, it will be auctioned off uh, and the money will be raised to go towards the Trevor project. Um, so could you tell us more about the organization's mission and why you've chosen to do- donate to them? Sure. So when I first started the project, I wanted an organization that was a global organization, but I couldn't really find one. So I settled on a nationwide organization. And the Trevor Project is a resource for primarily LGBTQIA plus youth. It's a suicide prevention. They give resources and counseling at no cost. Um, So I think they're just a great organization that could use everybody's support. So um, I'm going to actually have folks donate directly to the Trevor Project and then their receipt will be their entry into the raffle. Um, I've done some research about raffling as I I'm not a nonprofit organization and it can get really kind of dicey. Um, I've also seen some, you know, larger social media influencers getting trouble in the past because they've said they were raising for an organization And then that organization never got the money or didn't get all of the money. So this takes all that out. Like, I will not be handling any of the money. It goes straight to the Trevor Project. And then the receipt will be your like your entry. And you're planning on the auction in November, December, Uh, December, December. And I'll probably like it'll be donations through the through December. And then I'll probably pull like on January 1st or something. Fun. Do you have a target in mind? I don't. I have no idea what (laughs) this is going to raise. (laughs) Yeah, I I hope it's a lot. Um, It's gotten a lot of yeah. yeah, It's gotten a lot of buzz around it, so I'm I'm hoping it's (laughs) successful. Because then I'll do it again next year. I was going to ask, do you have plans to do it again next year? You think? Yeah, it's it's been a really fun project, and it's been really successful. So you know, as long as it all goes well through the rest of the year. I'll probably continue it into 2024. Would you ever consider like creating a, it would obviously be a lot of work on your end, but like having like setting up pen pals and having fabric going across the world and having other people making random uh, quilts at the same time. That didn't make I haven't, sense. but that sounds fun. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I've had some folks approach me that they're doing something similar now with their their guild or their local sewing groups. Yeah. So I think that's super fun to hear that and that other people are taking inspiration and, you know, doing these random quilts to benefit their local charities. It's such a it's such a fun and playful uh, mm-hmm. project and such a great way to use up scraps as I yes. look at my scrap bin. <laughs> And I think it's really freeing for a lot of people because you don't have to stop and think like, ooh, do these fabrics look good together? Or, you know, trying to sit there 
matching fabrics. It's just grab and go. So for our listeners that would like to host their own community-based quilt project similar to what you're doing uh, or done here, uh, what are your top three tips and advice? Um, I do recommend using the AccuQuilt. I find it makes it a little bit easier, but it's definitely not required. You know, everyone knows how to make, well, almost everyone knows how to make a half square triangle, you know, two squares, so down the diagonal. Um, So all of the blocks are you know, you're perfectly able to make them without it. I just find it makes it go a little smoother and faster. Um, so another thing I would probably do is limit the number of fabrics that someone can include in their envelope, because just for recording purposes, it makes it easier for me if I can, you know, open multiple envelopes um, or at least only have enough to make one block and not have it bleed into a second block or potentially a third, depending on how much they've shoved into their envelope. So that would just be a request of my followers when they send them in. Um, And then for a third one, I'm not really sure. I think it's been going really well. It's been going better than I anticipated. So if someone wanted to do it on their own, you know, they might have to put in some rules or restrictions based on um, their their demographic or who they're working with, but maybe limiting the fabric types that can be sent in. You know, I requested that it be something like an apparel weight, so like quilting cotton, or even if it's like a poly blend, that's fine. Um, But I think one of the fabrics I got was silk, so I'm not sure how it's going to wash up. Um, And then like a super heavy fabric, it just over time, it'll wear away the fabric around it. So that might be a third one. It's just limiting the types of fabrics that can be submitted. Now, you mentioned earlier that you're you're about a third of the way through this quilt, but uh, that's because you've been working on a lot of other projects. Can you share some of what else has been going on in your quilting studio? Sure. So this past year has been really crazy for me. Uh, it was last spring that I got really like popular on TikTok, and then that bled into Instagram and Facebook and all the other social medias. Um, but I have become an ambassador for both AccuQuilt the Grace Company, and uh, actually a third one now, Sewing Parts Online. So I'm doing projects with each of those companies. I'm currently working on a crumb-pieced double wedding ring, which is my AccuQuilt project for the month. And doing the crumb-piecing for all the parts has taken far longer than I anticipated. I'm done with that part now, so I can move on to the cutting and sewing. But things like that... Uh, with deadlines are kind of taking precedence over putting out a couple uh, random episodes here and there for the community quilt. So come November, that'll probably be my, like everyone else can wait. I've got to work on this. (laughs) The crumb piecing sounds like a lot of work. I think I saw a video, you said you had to make 200 plus of those Mm -hmm. rectangles. Yes, it's 220 of the rectangles for the arches. And then I decided to crumb piece the cornerstones as well. So that was another 220 little squares, but those I can cut four at a time. So I only had to do like 50-ish crumb blocks for that. When you're crumb quilting, do you have any... Have you uh, have you done cr- a lot of crumb quilting before or kind of what? No. Okay. <laughs> have you learned anything along the way that you... <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love scrappy and I love the look of the crumb, but it's a lot of work because yeah. you have like a teeny tiny strip and you have to, you know, keep sewing teeny tiny strips until you get a larger or a large enough piece. I did do it foundation paper piecing style, okay. which mm. I would recommend to anyone wanting to do it. 
a couple reasons. It helps stabilize as you're sewing because crumb piecing your grains going every which way, literally every direction. <laughs> and so that'll help if you're sewing on the bias because you're not, you know, relying on that fabric to stay in place. The paper is doing that for you. Um, and it also acts as a template. So if you're needing a specific size, you know, as soon as I cover all the edges of the paper, I have the size I need versus just sewing them all willy nilly and having to stop and measure and see which side you need to add more to as you go. That can be really it, it makes it be more time consuming because you got to stop and measure versus the papers there. You know, as soon as all four sides are covered, you're good to go. On that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Chris? Yes. Okay, Wendy, why don't you take us away? Okay, so what is your favorite time of day to quilt? 5.01 p.m. <laughs> as soon as I sign off from work. <laughs> and where do you sew? My sewing room is just a room in my house. It used to be the garage, but it's been converted. It's very cool. And do you wear shoes while sewing? And if so, do you wear socks or no socks? I do wear socks. Uh, I lately have been wearing shoes, but I prefer to sew with no shoes. And music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sounds of silence while sewing? If I'm recording for a TikTok or Instagram reel, then it's silence. Otherwise, I'm listening to music. And what's your current favorite? Uh, the Pride 2023 playlist on Spotify has been very fun this month. And uh, if you allow snacks in the sewing room, what is your favorite snack? No snacks. In no the snacks. Room. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll ask the next one. Uh, when you're rolling your quilt dice, what number comes up the most? I think four, because on my first one, green was the most used color. And that was number four, huh. I think. And do you have a favorite number? My personal favorite number is five because my birthday is May 5th. So it's five, five. So, yeah. <laughs> and what is your favorite 2023 community quilt block so far? I think it's episode 10. It is the one that has the Charlie Harper ladybugs. And I really like it because the fabric pulls ended up with like four pastel florals, which I used for the center squares and then a more bold black and white stripe and the ladybugs as the background. So it just worked out really well. That sounds really pretty. <laughs> I got to go back and watch now. <laughs> uh, and what's the most number of envelopes for the community quilt block did you receive at one time? In January, I was having to go to the post office pretty much every other day to empty out my P.O. box. I get an email every day that shows what's going to be arriving today. And it would be like five or six envelopes. And I have the smallest P.O. box available. So I was constantly emptying it at the beginning of the year. Um, so pick one, opening an envelope, choosing a block to make or making a block for the Community Quilt Project. Opening the envelope. <laughs> and where's the farthest envelope for the Community Quilt to come from? Oh, I am terrible with geography. I know I've gotten some from Australia. That might be the furthest. I did get one from Japan. And yeah. You're closer to Japan than Australia, right? Yeah, Australia's <laughs> father. Okay, in Australia. Group geography right there. I am terrible with geography. Like, I'm like, what's right. on which side of the world? Yeah. What sewing notion couldn't you live without? 
Probably magnets. I have them everywhere <laughs> to hold snips and catch pins. Uh, solids or print fabrics? Prints. All day. What's your favorite fabric shop? So my favorite local fabric shop is the one that is closing, unfortunately. So I'm currently searching for a new one. And what's the last fabric you bought? Uh, at the closing sale for my favorite fabric shop, I spent like $300 on a lot of fabric. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite fabric designer? I love anything from Free Spirit Fabrics. I love their collection of designers and just the bright, bold colors they use. And what's your favorite roller size? Uh, favorite ruler is probably two and a half inch by, I think it's eight inch. Just a small, compact ruler for trimming blocks. It's wonderful. And what's your favorite AccuQuilt cutting stencil? So my favorite AccuQuilt, it's not a single die. It's probably the cube system. I love that I can make the same block in different sizes without having to do any math. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) And what's your favorite part of the quilt making process? Probably designing and pulling fabric. And what's your least favorite part? My least favorite part is pin basting a quilt. And I hate it so much I bought a long arm. So I never have to do it again. (laughs) I love that. Amanda, I think you need to get one. (laughs) I think I'd have to move. I'd have to lose my couch. That was. They take up a lot of a lot of space. Yes, you don't need that couch, Amanda. Get rid of it. I mean, I think my my husband would kill me. Like, I think that would be. (laughs) He's been a really good sport about me taking over the rest of the apartment with fabric, but that might be the last straw. Uh, Uh, Oh, it's your turn. Oh, yeah, yeah, my turn. What's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Probably not reading the directions before I start a quilt. And do you have a quilty best friend? Uh, Yes, my friend Sarah is actually who got me to join the Portland Modern Quilt Guild. And we've been friends for several years now. And does she have a Quiltstagram account that we could follow? Yes, it's Sarah Flynn Makes. She's not as active as I am, but she is on there. And who's your quilty crush? Mm, probably Pride and Joy Quilting, because I love literally anything she makes. I actually got to meet her virtually last year because she spoke for our guild and I was on the board. So I got to chat with her and it was it was a lot of fun. She's she's, yeah, she's one of the like, most wonderful people. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite recent make? Hmm. What have I made recently? <laughs> I move through stuff so fast. It just is a blur. Uh, pro- probably my randomly generated quilt. And I finished that in December. And how many projects are you in, are in your work in progress pile now? I believe only three. And I actually am going to be pulling one out as soon as I'm done with this double wedding ring to work on it. That's pretty good considering you're juggling multiple projects at a time. Yeah. (laughs) And when you're not in your sewing room, do you have any other interests or hobbies? I like home improvement a lot. So I do lots of projects around the house, fixing it up. What's the biggest project you've tackled? Uh, So not last summer, but the summer before, I literally ripped half my house down to the studs. And put in new wiring and insulation. Okay, so serious wow. home improvement, not just like yes. <laughs> <laughs> matching <Yes>. up. 
<laughs> That's a lot of work. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so now we've got uh, just one more question for you. Uh, so, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following, and why? So there's Patch and Dot, and she is um, another pattern designer and she has designed this foundation paper pieced alphabet that is my favorite it's called black letter and i've used it a couple times and love it it's super easy to follow uh second one would be ellie the quilter she's also online as mojave farms quilt company and i recommend her to anyone who's wanting to start learning how to quilt she's very focused on beginner quilters so great resources there And then for the third one, I would actually encourage you to go grab your favorite fabric off the shelf and see who the designer is and follow that designer on social media. Lots of the designers I found recently have works outside of their textile design, like they'll sell prints or other things. So if you can support them in more ways, they'll be able to continue making your favorite fabric. It's a really good tip. I love that. Okay, so... On that note, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio. Wendy. I'm at the dot weekend quilter. And Chris. I am at Rose City Originals. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.